I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Shanti. And I'm Lynx, and you're listening to Muses. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to Muses, the podcast all about the fascinating women in rock history who really made it all happen. We've had an interesting year so far, and we've been having fun with our more experimental episodes. Yeah, like this one. This week, we hear a fantastic story from Miss Danny of the Beetle Band-Aids. The way that it came to be is this. Danny posted a photo on her Instagram, and if you want to find her, that's Miss Danny BBA on Instagram. And the photo was of her and Robert Plant. Of course, I messaged her and asked, so what's the story? Great photo. Yeah. So Danny decided that it was the right time and that Muses was the right place for her to share the tale of not only meeting the golden god himself, but of actually spending time with him after a show one night. The way Danny weaves the story put me right there in the moment. We traveled back with her to New York and we loved hearing it. We hope that you do too. Yeah, it was so fun hearing the story from Danny. Check out the show notes to learn where you can find Miss Danny and her sister, Dolly, and learn more about the BBAs. Do you have a fun fan story? We'd like to hear from you. Email us at musespod at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. Yay. Hello. 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 This is Miss Danny speaking. Hi, Miss Danny. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderfully. How are you? We're great. Thank you so much for joining us. This is something really special for us. This is something completely new in the almost five years of Muses podcast. We haven't had anyone 
on to just tell us a really special story of a really special time. And then something you posted sparked that like, hey, let's get together and let's do this. And Danny, we really want you to share a little bit about yourself and the reason why you're here today, which is to tell everybody a really special story about when you met a special somebody. Yay. Well, thank you so much for having me. First of all, Muse's podcast. I've been listening for quite some time now, just getting through the finding you through the groupie community. I believe on Instagram is where Mm -hmm. I first saw you guys and been following along. And I know that one of the posts that sparked a little bit of interest was actually my sister, who um, is one of the founders of the Beatle Band-Aids, our groupie troupe had posted about people coming to my DMs and forcing me into telling this story about meeting Robert Plant. Now, it's really important story to both of us. And the reason that we haven't told it yet to the public at large is because we had pictures taken of this event. It was in 2006. So this is a long time ago. But it was one of our most important kind of groupie moments. And these pictures were out there in the universe for years and years and years. It's 2021 now. I got these pictures last year. (laughs) So 2020 is when the pictures finally came into um, my control. And it really was me. Like, even though it was my sister, myself, and our dear friend, Jacqueline, that were in the pictures with him and, and had the whole experience, I searched for these pictures personally from the photographer who gave me his business card the night of the show since 2006. So if you can imagine like every few months, me going on the computer and being like, Hey man, do you still have those pictures? Like that's how long it took and how much work it was. So finally, when we got at just one blurry picture, that's all we got one blurry picture of us and Robert Plant. I decided to dig up the story about the night that we met him. And it was funny because I hadn't read through the story that I had written since the night I wrote it, which was about a night after we met him. I had to digest it a little bit. So I got on the train. As soon as I got home, wrote it down on my computer. I didn't even handwrite it. I just like typed it out as fast as I could. So this telling of the story is kind of going to be a walk down memory lane for me. And some of the details might not be correct. Some of the details might be a little blurry or or weren't right when I wrote it the first time. But it's going to be interesting for me to reread it because there could be moments where I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. Or, oh, that's that's not what happened. Or, or some there might be some details that are scandalous. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to find out together. But the reason I've kept it under is because without the pictures, it just, it wasn't, it's not that it wasn't important enough, but the story without the pictures just, I didn't think people would put it together or think that it wasn't important or think that I was making it up. Maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. To this day. I mean, I've been telling people, yeah, I met Robert Plant. I hung out with Robert Plant. I'm like, nobody's really taken me that seriously about it. So now I finally have the picture proof and the story is going to make a lot more sense. It's going to be that much more fun to read it. So I'm excited. To hear it. I'm so excited, excited to read this. So let's, I'm starting right at the top here. I wrote myself a note. It's, I, I guess I titled it Meeting Robert Plant, a groupie story. So that was the title. Perfect. <laughs> so here is the story. 
my friend Jackie had called my sister and I while we were at a clinic getting a blood sugar test taken care of, of all things, saying that she had met the producer of a show while walking down the street in New York City, a benefit for musical genius and love front man Arthur Lee. Robert Plant was on the bill. I had previously heard about this show from my father, who saw an article online about it, but I didn't think I could afford to go. The promoter told Jackie that he could get her cheap seats in the 10th row and backstage passes. So she gave him her number, and a few minutes later, she called us to relay the news. The promoter called her after we spoke to each other about his terms for giving her backstage passes. So this was all happening from what everything that I remember. We were at the blood work clinic, and I remember being outside when she called. And our friend Jackie lives in New York City, and at the time we were my sister and I were in Wilmington, Delaware, as we are now. We kind of bounced all over the country. But at that point, we were in Delaware for summer break. I was in college at the time, so it was definitely summer break. And I just remember being outside in the clinic because my sister was like, it's Jackie, you have to take this call. Like, she only usually calls when like something's going on and she's in the city, we're not. So we knew something was important. So as soon as she called us, at the clinic the second time, I knew something had happened because she had given this promoter her phone number. Bear in mind, Jackie was under age. She was under 18. So there was a little bit of feeling of hesitation when she called the first time, but the second time is where the details come in. So let's see if I wrote what she had said. Yep. (laughs) So the promoter called her after we spoke to each other about his terms for giving backstage passes. So afterwards, she called us back, frazzled and distressed, saying he would only give her a backstage pass. This was all true because she told him about us. Like there was no way she was going to do this without us. Of course. At least that was her idea. And then he said to her that he wanted to sit with us during the show. So he would give her three tickets in the 10th row and only her a backstage pass and the terms where he had to sit with us during the show. Hadn't even seen the guy, didn't know what he looked like. This was back before the era of smartphones. So it's not like we were getting pictures back and forth. This was just regular old cell phones. And I'm just sitting here imagining what was going on. Poor Jackie (laughs) having to negotiate with this man. So I, I remember talking to her and being like, okay, let's, think about this really critically about how we're going to work around this because now I'm all in like I want to see this show but not like this so on a whim Jackie decided to look on Ticketmaster and she found fifth row seats to this show three of them so we figured we'll scrape our money together buy ourselves tickets and screw the promoter we literally just did not want to contact him again so my sister and I got on a train to New York City, as we had done several times before, usually for a gig. It's about an hour and a half train from Wilmington, a little bit less if you get the, the speed train. And what did we do? We went to Strawberry Fields. That was really fun. Going to Strawberry Fields during that time in June. It was early June. Um, Jacqueline knew a lot about Central Park because she grew up there and everything. And of course, big Beatles fans, we had to go there first. So we (laughs) took some pictures by the Imagine uh, display. And I hope I said some things about Strawberry Fields because it was really important. Our Strawberry Fields experience 
helped us get backstage. And there's a reason why. So let's see if I gave any details here. The mayor of Strawberry Fields, um, his name was Gary. He passed away a couple of years ago, but we knew his name was Gary. And he told us actually a lot about himself. I didn't write that in the story, but the mayor of Strawberry Fields, it was just a homeless man who used to go over to local flower shops that Um, And there's a lot of them in New York City, but what they would do is any of the flowers that they had cut from, like, let's say a wedding or something and any that had fallen off of an arrangement or whatever, like he'd scoop them all up. And that's why so many people have pictures of the Imagine display with flowers all over it because he used to curate them and then put whatever he could find. He got them for free. I mean, nobody ever charged him to do what he did. And People loved the displays that he would come up with. And it was art. That's he told amazing. us, I know it was just, I, I wouldn't have known that. And he was just like, he, he knew trivia. Like he knew, and he was there when John Lennon was assassinated. I mean, he knew everything about Yoko's schedule at the Dakota. Like he was just a, like a local legend, but you could tell touristy people were just like snapping pictures of him. Like he's some kind of, uh, character in a show but really that was just his life and he would go there every day and you know sometimes I wondered does he have food and does he have shelter and he really said like you know people took care of him and one of the places that he would go and people would allow him to stay was the Beacon Theater well that happened to be the theater that Robert Plant was playing that night so that's why it was so important for us to kind of connect with Gary because we wouldn't have known anything about the theater itself without his information it was fate it was I'm so glad we went there the day before the concert and that we took the train the day before and we didn't hesitate that we didn't go the the day of the concert to New York like we made sure my sister and I I don't know obviously being twins we have a connection where we don't need to actually verbally communicate we can just kind of like sense what's going on but we knew we had to get there at least one day early so that was that was the reason we spent the whole day at Central Park, Strawberry Fields, got some ice cream, I think. I remember we walked around so much. And this was before either of us had any sort of understanding of our longstanding health conditions. But we we knew that the huffing and puffing wasn't a result of deconditioning. We were both ballet dancers and things, but but it was tough. It was it was a lot of, of work just to walk around New York City, but it was worth it, especially what happened at the end of the show, obviously. So after we hung out at Strawberry Fields, that was a pretty full day. And we just knew that we we had a mission. And I know that we had the mission at heart. I never for one second doubted that we weren't going to meet Robert Plant. Don't ask me how. I don't know why. But the second that our friend called us and said, Robert Plant show, be here or be square, like... <laughs> We did that, but I knew that second that we were going to meet him. So we just had to go through the motions that we knew we had to do, like getting dressed, for example. Like that's just part of the steps that you take. It's, it doesn't necessarily reflect the steps that you get there to get backstage. But in our case, it does because we dressed up here. It says in groovy eye-catching clothing, as soon as we got to the theater, a roadie, you can spot a roadie from anywhere. A roadie came up to us and said, you guys win the best dressed award. And I, I was like, and he was just like going through the front door. So it was kind of weird that he was out of his element because, you know, the roadies are usually backstage at this point. This was right before the show was getting ready to start. Everybody's getting their tickets taken. So I said, I turned back to him and I said, oh yeah, what's the reward? 
And he just kind of paused there. Cause I, I, at that point I'm like, anything's game right now. I could get a pass at any moment. And I had been backstage at other venues before. So it wasn't like I was completely oblivious to the fact that, you know, human beings, you never know which one you're going to interact with that can have that ticket, that golden ticket. But I was joking, of course, but not really like he noticed us. So I was just making sure I noticed he noticed us. He went along his way and he's like, he just kind of shrugged and walked off. We're barely in the theater at this point. We just walked through the doors, but on a visual note, I, getting taken back there, it's a beautiful theater. And in the lobby entrance way, before you get into the seating, I just was looking around and I remember there's just so many people in black t-shirts and jeans. And I'm just like, what is this? Like, where am I? And having Robert Plant as the lead of a show that was for a benefit for Arthur Lee, you would expect a mix of fans because there were, I believe like nine different artists. I would have to look at the poster and I'll try to find a poster of this show for you guys because they do exist. Like they're not great quality, but I know there's a poster out there that says all of the people that were playing and it's got Robert Plant's picture and everything. And like that it's the poster that we saw in the newspaper. Like, it's crazy to look at because you look at that and you're like, ah, when I was looking at that at home before I got to New York City, it just sent me. So I'm thinking that there was going to be a variety of people there and there just weren't. Everybody looked the same. And these tickets were not cheap too. That's worth mentioning is since this was a benefit show, this wasn't like a scalping event. Like you weren't going to get a scalp ticket. People that want to see Robert Plant will pay top dollar. And that's the kind of people that were there. So yeah, they just looked like they were going to an 80s plant page concert. <laughs> that's all the t-shirts that were, well, that was the 90s, but that's all you saw. So just walking in there with our clothing, and I will also provide a p- picture of what we were wearing. We stuck out, <laughs> not subtle at all. Like we really, really stuck out. But we also ran into someone here Um, A friend of Jackie's, he went to her school. His name was Ludwig. First of all, I had never met anyone named Ludwig before. (laughs) I can't say hi. Yeah. (laughs) So he um, was in a local band. They're like 16, 15 year olds. And at that point in time, we're like, yeah, rock and roll. And finally, young people doing rock and roll. And we're 19 at the time. So we're thinking we're the elder states women. But (laughs) it was really cool to see these young guys like getting into rock and roll. So he was dressed up and their band was called the Bones Royal. They they sounded great. Like we heard them play. I don't know if it was that trip or a trip after that I believe a trip after that where we saw them play live and they lasted for like a year or so before they disbanded but it was a fun little high school garage band New York City and he looked like a pirate like that's what I (laughs) wrote here I was like I said at least he was dressed up too because as you can imagine like walking through I don't mind being looked at like at a concert it's always great when people want to compliment your fashion but it wasn't like we were getting people like ooh ah they were just looking at us like Am I seeing like my past life coming, walking towards me is the vibe that I was getting, which is fine. But I said, at least he was dressed up too. So we felt a little camaraderie there. For sure. I said, the boy looked like a rock and roll pirate hippie gypsy mm-hmm. and he wore it well. He did. I doubt he dresses like that anymore, but thank you Ludwig for going for the fashion. It's <laughs> being you. I knew at the time that there were a number of acts before Robert Plant was going to close the show. Like, I knew a lot of them uh, by just reading their names, but I didn't know who they were. So I wasn't really, 
and we as a trio were not really there to see anyone else but Robert Plant. I did like Mott the Hoople at the time. They weren't my favorite band, but and they're still the, a band that I listen to a lot. But Ian Hunter was there and I just was not like focused or paying attention on that because I was just so focused on Robert Plant but that was really cool that he was there it was a weird thing for him to be there as well because it wasn't like the typical like Ian Huntery show you wouldn't you wouldn't put him with these other artists and I didn't really have much to say about the other artists that played because a I wasn't that into it and b I wasn't really paying attention I mean I was but like I was really just focused in Robert Plant, Robert Plant. Like you, you couldn't deny the anticipation, especially when you're not necessarily the style of music that the other people were playing weren't necessarily my cup of tea. And a lot of them did covers of Arthur Lee's music, which the love works catalog. It's very, it's a small catalog, but Arthur Lee was a great writer and an excellent musician. So anytime there was a cover that came up, it was good to listen to, but was what was really fun during this show is what I wrote here. There were a number of acts before Robert closed the show, but we were really there to see him. And people weren't really giving Ian Hunter a whole lot of props. So we just kind of silently were like singing to all the young dudes, which is an anthem of ours. We love that song. Those groupie moments. That's like what I live but, for. Yes. Know, like, so that's why you guys understand this so well. When I can talk about this kind of stuff, it's really hard to to talk to other people about it that don't have that understanding of it being a natural yes. occurrence. Oh yeah. Just cosmic. It's like, it's everything always falls into place. Everything's meant to be every step of the way, everything that happens happened for a reason. It's part like putting in effort and being strategic. Like as soon as mm-hmm. you got that phone call, the wheels were turning exactly. and then you had a knowing. And then another part of it is things aligning. Right. So a lot of people like to use the word manifestation when it comes to getting what you want in this life. And I think that in this day and age, especially, we're all trying to be more cosmically conscious. And I get that, but there's only so much you can manifest. You have to go with the resources that have been given to you. And you can go a lot based on feeling, but some things, they just happen. (laughs) And you have to kind of let them happen or let them not happen. And if they don't happen, you have to be able to bless and release. Like, but it's one of the things that I've held pretty close. I like that. When something not great happens, you got to bless it first before you let it go. Cause it's just going to come back to bite you. I've never heard that in some form or another. Oh, this is fun. Very, very interesting time in 2006. That's a point that I need to make too. 2006 was so void of rock and roll in general. So, of course, like back in that day, the BBAs were only a year or so old, like as a groupie group. And we were always chasing after the old guys. Paul McCartney was our first backstage pass. We had been to a couple of Who concerts at that point, I believe, and gotten backstage there. Yeah, we were going after these bands that we were really heavily influenced by and listened to, but we were listening to them actively then in 2006. And people would ask us questions about, oh, well, would you sleep with any of them? People would ask us that about like going backstage at the Who. Like, am I going to be like, yeah, Raj, let's go find a closet somewhere. (laughs) Did I think about it? Maybe. Did I want to do that? No, we were having (laughs) so much fun. And it was just like, No, like I knew too with Robert Plant, that's not something that I would ever envision. So 
it's, it's very interesting to put myself back into that headspace in 2006 and then bring myself forward to 2021. We've had Jimmy Page's girlfriend is younger than I am mm-hmm. <laughs> because I've been asked, like Jimmy Page is my holy grail. So I've been asked for like, would you date Jimmy Page right now? And the answer is usually no, just because my fascination with him dates into the 1960s and kind of stops there. Like when Blood Zeppelin was over, it's not that I, I don't like him after that. Like, it's just like, that's my fascination with him is 60s and 70s Jimmy Page minus the cocaine and all that stuff. But the point is like, no, I wouldn't date grandpa Jimmy Page. Like I just wouldn't do it. And I'm not saying that Scarlett shouldn't, <laughs> but it's just something that never really passed through my mind. And the visions that I always have like hanging out with these guys always comes true because they just think we're cool. So <laughs> when they find these young people that are just like, yeah, we're talking about music. We're talking about fashion, like to ourselves. And they see us like, I think they see us as a memory. Like some of them look at us and they're like, whoa, flashbacks. Like they've told us that before. So totally. we kind of like to set that, that mood. Yeah. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Yeah. Again, something that you, what you have to, yeah, you can't, <laughs> you can't make it up. You, you have to be natural at it and you can't, you can't cosplay and you can't pretend. So that has a lot to do with the, how we managed to do this. I'm Good certain point. of that. Yeah. There we have Ian Hunter. We saw him. And yeah, I was excited about that. It seemed like the audience wasn't super excited about it, too. And the thing about the audience is I was paying very close attention to the audience because we were, what did I say? We were like fifth row at that point since we bought our own tickets. And it was close. Like we had a really good view, but you're always jealous of the rows that are ahead of you, or at least I am. And I'm always thinking like, ah, no one's ever going to see me because these rows are ahead of me and people are standing up the whole time or, you know, whatever. But at this show, act after act after act was going on. And there was this guy that was playing music 
between set changes. And if you've ever been to a multi-van set, you know how long it takes the road crew, especially if it's been slapped together like this show was. It was very slapped together. The crews were very slow. So break down and set up and break down and set up and break down and set up. Like that took a long time in between sets. But since everybody was laser focused on waiting for Robert Plant to walk out on the stage, they didn't care like in between each set was just a time for everybody to get up and stretch, go have a cigarette, like just sit in your seat. And that's what everybody did. They, they did a couple of those options, go to the bathroom, whatever. We did not leave our seats the entire show. And it was such a long show. I wish I had written down how long it was, but it was hours and hours and hours of music. And in between each set, there was the DJ that came on stage and we started to notice a pattern. Every time this DJ would go on stage, he would play 60s music only. And I just remember like Jimi Hendrix played. Like, I just remember some specific songs because every single time that would happen, instead of doing an activity that I mentioned before, we stood up and danced. So we're having our own little dance party in between every single set change. I I said there were five or so set changes. I think there were closer to eight or more set changes. I remember too, like the whole audience would sit down and here's us three girls in our outfits, mind you, popping up of the fifth row and just like grooving out. So pretty sure that was a good idea that we all three had. So smart. But it was just a natural inclination. It wasn't like really put a spotlight on us and pay attention to us no we were standing up and dancing to some really cool music we could not find a club to save our souls that would play music like that we took it as an opportunity to set ourselves back in time and be like fine we missed it so we're gonna just relish in these moments and dance to the 60s music and keep up the energy like oh absolutely like people were so like looking at their watches when's Robert going to come on? And I'm sitting there thinking too, this is a benefit show. Like this is for Arthur Lee's cancer treatments. Everybody just like chill out. (laughs) So that's kind of the feeling and the mood that I had. And I knew like I was getting tired and restless too, but I knew he was going to come on eventually and it was going to be great. So we were fine. Like we enjoyed the, in that respect, we enjoyed the whole show. We really didn't have a moment where like, there was one guy I do remember Gavin DeGraw. Do you remember Gavin DeGraw? Did anybody watch One Tree Hill? Thank you. Been trying to be lately. He was called to do the show because he happened to be in town, and I got put on the bill like super late in the game. We're getting to the good stuff now because it says finally, finally, hours after the massive show had started, the warbling tones of "In the Evening" began to play. Love that song. Just, just the beginning of that song. When I say warbling, like I can just feel it in my heart. Like I can my whole body was, was shifting to the music instantly. And I was so excited because I I never even thought he would pick a song like that to open up with, because if you've seen any footage of Robert Plant in the two thousands in the early aughts, even like he wasn't playing Led Zeppelin songs and people were getting pretty upset about it, but you know, your voice changes as you get older and things like that. So we didn't know what to expect. And for in the evening to start playing, that was super magical. So I flipped out and I thought it was perfect. It says right here, every song he sang was perfect. He sang what is and what should never be, ramble on, like, oh my God, seriously? And he sang a few love covers. Oh, yeah. Mm. Just going back to those sounds, 
I never thought I would see those songs performed live in my life by Mr. Robert Plant. <laughs> he was in great form. It's there's no denying that. Huh. And I write a little note here and it says, now I'm a Zep fan because I wanted to educate my readers that at that point in time, I think Led Zeppelin was not only my favorite band, but I was really like digging deep into their history, reading books and watching as much footage as possible that I could. That's probably why I thought I would never see that stuff live. And I knew that there was more to it. The the rhythm of the show and the songs that he was singing, like gave me the feeling of the past. So I, from all the archival footage and things that I had seen, I knew something specific that apparently these other people were too dense to, to realize, like after he started, after he stopped singing his last song, the lights came up and everybody's just like awestruck in their seats and just loving every minute of what they had just seen. Like every, everything came to a culmination of, of being kind of sad that it was over, but like cheering that he was so amazing and that it was worth the wait and everybody, you could just feel everybody's emotions and everybody started trickling out of the theater. And I'm standing there, literally, fifth row. I look around, like side to side. People are just exiting the theater. And then I, I'm like, we're staying right here, looking at Jackie and my sister. We are not going anywhere. He's going to do an encore. <gasps> and it took a while. The lights were up, so people really thought the show was over. And I grabbed, we, we grabbed each other, all three of us. And enough of the theater had emptied out that we ran to the front of the stage and nobody knew that there was an encore. Still at that point in time, everybody thought like, oh, it's over. And they're still exiting out of the theater. And then all of a sudden the lights go down yes. and people either start like turning around, running and screaming, or people gave up. You could just tell that there were people that were like, oh fuck, I gave up my seat and I can't get it back. This is New York city. You're going to bloody somebody up before you get your seat back. And those people that had left the front row, those seats were ours. So we got up to, to the stage side for that. And he came back onto the stage and I knew it. So I wasn't surprised at all. I was just really happy that we had finally got to the front of the stage because I had never really experienced any shows at that point. I'd been backstage for a few shows, but I hadn't actually been front row. And there's something about being front row that you can't deny is a different experience. So that, that we did not pay for front row tickets. There were no front row tickets available at that point in time. So somebody upstairs and whether you believe in spirit or heaven or whatever was looking down on us and said, ah, there's two seats, mm -hmm. three seats for the three of you. So there we were lights went down and he walked back on stage. Like it, he, he took his time. Like he was really it, it almost seemed like he knew that we knew and like he was giving us a gift because of course he goes back on stage and he sings thank you you know every oh fangirl that sees Robert Plant play thank you live is gonna say oh he was singing it to me well he was looking dead into our eyes at that point and I still was a little bit like wow does is he like staring right at us he's staring right at us like we're looking at each other and we're just like we're all he focused. was staring right at you. Yeah, like he was singing to us. He was singing thank you to us. And even in my story, I said, well, at least it felt like we were the only girls there. There wasn't anyone around us. There were other people there. But it's looking back on what I wrote. Again, I was being modest. I was saying, oh, it felt like it was him singing. To he was singing to us. So mm -hmm. that was amazing. I love that song so much. That I 
so many memories attached to that song, even at that point in time, so early on into our journey, being the Beatle Band-Aids and that song, that was a moment. And it just was the perfect end to the perfect show. And then what are we going to (laughs) do? Because once the lights went down again, after the encore, we were really like, okay, let's just stay where we are and strategize. So I remember we decided which door we wanted to leave from, because that's pretty critical when you're in New York City, like there's alleyways, there's streets, there's little turns left and right where you don't know, you know, one corner could lead to another street and you, you have no idea where you are when you're inside of the theater, which street, like, unless you have a really good visual map, which at the time I was all right with directions, but I just kind of remembered what we had discussed with Gary at the Imagine Memorial. He said, yeah, Gary was a star, mayor of Strawberry Fields. He told us to leave through the orchestra door. So we left through the orchestra door. We were, our seats were positioned about halfway house, right? The orchestra door was house left. So we just, we headed towards that door. We left out of that door. And I think he had told, advised us to like round the corner and that should be where the bands load out. Of course he was right. So we rounded the street corner and it was pretty obvious by all of the people standing around waiting by it that, uh, yeah, that was where we were supposed to be. I could tell that many were fans, but few were just like poster hawkers looking for autographs, clearly weren't at the show that night and just were like there to get posters signed. Like when vendors outside of New York City shows, you always see them in Philly, like it happened in Philly, the last concert we went to before COVID, they'll buy posters right before the show and they'll show up after the show and try to like sell them on the street and stuff, but they want autographs. So we could tell what was going on at the, around the corner there. And I don't know how many people were there, but at the time when we had first gotten around the corner, I want to say there was like 50 people there and more and more people were like, oh, what's going on? And who's there? Who are you waiting for? Because anybody that's walking across the street is going to say that. So I don't remember how many people also found out it was Robert Plant if they had parked themselves there to see if they could get a, a chance to see him or whatever. But everyone after it started to rain it did start to rain (laughs) at some point I don't know how many minutes like we were standing out there before it started raining but once the rain started people thinned out I mean only the strong will survive this situation so we were talking to a guy that was out there and he had said he had seen Robert Plant play 25 times plus and he knew the drill like Robert Plant was definitely just gonna come out get into his limo you might see him wave might be able to get a picture and that was it and um that guy was nice and everything but I just didn't really that that wasn't enough for me so I was just like "Ah, I don't know if this guy is just saying that this is based on his experience or if he's doing it wrong and something told me he was doing it wrong even though he's done it 25 plus times this guy had seen this routine so After everything that began to happen, I felt pretty bad for him because (laughs) he thought we would not even barely catch a glimpse of him. And his PR, well, I think it was Robert Plant's PR person. I had written that it was his PR person, his probably his uh, 
road manager. A lot of the older guys have women as their road managers, which is awesome. Like Paul McCartney had a female uh, backstage manager, I guess you would say, not security, but his Paul McCartney security guy is the most intimidating, scary, giant Italian <laughs> man that I have ever seen. Like totally scary, but really nice young women that are running like the writers and the lists and all of that stuff. So she comes out and announces to everyone, Oh, he's taking a shower and you know, he'll be out in about an hour or two, which to a lot of people were like, no, it's too long. Let's go. And at this point it's like pouring, (laughs) pouring rain out there and we're fine. We have an umbrella for the three of us, maybe. And uh, it was June. So it wasn't cold or anything. It was just very wet the trash man kept coming out. Like whoever was taking out the trash that night just kept rolling by with his giant trash bin from the show. And he must've come out like 10 times with a load of trash, put it in the dumpster, rolled it backstage, same routine and like nearly rolled us over at one point. Cause we're just standing there. We're not leaving our spot. That was it. Like we could see the stage door. We're probably about 10 feet away from the stage door and they barricaded us. So the bands were safe and everything but we were standing right there and we weren't going to go anywhere so remember i talked about gavin DeGraw being on the bill and people not being super duper excited about it well it's kind of funny because out of all the people that were kind of coming and going we had mr trash man rolling back and forth we had the woman tell us that robert plant was taking a shower none of the artists had come out but all of a sudden gavin DeGraw comes out <laughs> and i think he thought he was doing the public a favor by like signing autographs and things <laughs> and I I really have cared less like he was cute and all and he I thought he was very talented like don't get me wrong but he was just not my style at the time I was not particularly interested but he came out to say hi to people so he like walked right up towards us and he like shook my hand and he's like hey doll face and I was like hey (laughs) nice to meet you and stuff and I guess he was just there to flirt or whatever and he signed our ticket stubs which is funny because I'll always have Gavin DeGraw's signature on my ticket stub (laughs) and I don't think I got anybody else's but like yeah what a memory at least that's there yeah he just was like hey dollface what you doing and like I'm like nothing like clearly I'm waiting out in the rain to meet Robert Plant like what do you think I'm doing (laughs) (laughs) and I did think that maybe he's gonna like welcome us back there but it's you just have this weird vibe about him being around anyway like even the other people that were with him his friends or whatever that came outside just to watch him sign autographs like nobody cared it was just really lame so he did his thing and like I guess he went back inside pretty quickly and it was like miraculously dry when he was out there but then it started pouring rain again so it was just this off and on rain situation like everybody's like wondering, like on Tender Hook, so who's it gonna be? Who like well, who yeah, is it every the garbage guy? Is it Gavin? Is it gonna be Robert himself? It's funny. It's who funny is it? I work at music venues and I have been that person where I open the door and everyone starts cheering really excitedly. Oh, no. And then I open you it and that. they're like, ah. See, I love that because <laughs> <laughs> they're cheering and then it's you and you're like, it's me. And everyone's like, oh. Every once oh, in a while, God. they'll still cheer really loudly. Like they know mm-hmm. that they're disappointed, but they'll be like, you. And I'll be like, yes, Thank you, you. want to make sure I- that it's. Somebody's working in, like we're those girls, and that's why people love to see us as fans outside because the we'll clap for the crew, like always exactly. cheer on for the crew. So it's kind of funny that like we have that intimate understanding 
of the work that goes on backstage because we've been there and we've also been in productions before. So my sister and I have been on stage since we were babies and we've always respected backstage, like everything about a backstage. But then, okay, so we're sitting there and obviously we finally see an artist, which is Gavin DeGraw and some other people, like it seemed like if anyone was opening the stage door they were leaving so certain crew members that are finished their job obviously are just going home but at some point we must have been waiting out there for a couple hours I don't know how many because at that point in time just like doesn't really matter when you're getting poured rain on and you're just kind of standing there waiting for the one thing to happen that you want and the guy that was DJing all of those sets of music that we were dancing to open the door I knew it was and him. he had very striking features so it was very obvious to tell that it was him like I was just standing there but he kind of like hobbled over little guy never seen him before before this event or at least I thought I had never seen I've never heard of him never seen him before in our time studying historic music classic rock and all of that and he just walks up to me and he's like grabs my hands so not only like did he see me and did I see him with locked eyes and stuff you know all the wheels are turning I'm thinking to myself that's the guy that was DJing the whole time like did he see us dancing did he think we're cool like <sighs> I thought he was looking at us at one point I'm asking myself all of these internal questions within the span of 15 seconds he walks up and grabs me by the hands like just holds both of my hands looks me dead in the eyes and says do you want to go backstage oh yeah I told <laughs> my sister just yelled at me I did <laughs> tell him I said Hi to him as he grabbed my hands like I didn't know what he was gonna say or what he was trying to do like just by like hey how are you doing like like I didn't know who he was so I didn't want him to think that I thought he was a celebrity that deserved like a bunch of accolades and stuff I was just genuinely thanking him for playing the music that he did in between each set because I said oh I really enjoyed the music that you played like in between each set we were dancing the whole time he's like yeah I saw you we were probably pretty entertaining and he went right out and grabbed my hands and as soon as I said you know I really liked what you did in between those those other bands he was just like you want to go backstage there was nothing else that he he wanted to say to us he came out there to bring us backstage it was just like you can't make (laughs) this story up but at the same time it was all well, it's all happening obviously we say that every time happening. something like this happens but it was all happening like it really did happen and yeah I, I said to him you have I said it this way to, apparently I said these exact words I said you have fabulous taste in music I really enjoyed the show and the music you played in between the sets so yeah I think I said the right words at the right time like way to think on your toes Danny (laughs) I had to say something and it it just really it was my 100% genuine like he came up to us and I said exactly what I was feeling at that time so yeah he said you want to come backstage and I was like screaming on the inside but I just casually was like yeah sure sure (laughs) that's grabbed my sister by the hand (laughs) (laughs) just cool calm no no big deal the proper plants back there no no big deal but um I grabbed her hand and then because you know at the time too when I was talking to him I'm thinking to myself like does he know that I have two people with me or is he are we allowed to all three (laughs) like just 
run back there together? Or is this a situation where he's just inviting me backstage? Like I knew like he saw, I obviously had a twin next, like right next to me. I was <laughs> hoping that he was, that that was obvious to him. So we just grabbed each other like very tightly because we also know that when you're in a crowd of people and you get invited backstage and we don't have no proof of who we are we have no passes we have nothing and this little guy is like old frail man grabbing us by the hand pulling us backstage like we grabbed onto each other and I said like follow me and we we choo-choo trained in I call it choo-choo train because I'm thinking back to when I was teaching dance to like little kids and you have to make sure that you keep all the dancers together so I always tell them to choo-choo train so you grab like shoulders you grab limbs and make sure that none of the the dancers run away so we grabbed hold of each other he pulled me in I pulled my sister in and my sister pulled our friend Jacqueline in and within seconds the door closes behind us all that chaos that was outside the rain and the trash man and the poor guy that had seen Robert Plant 25 times they were all outside in the rain and it was over. We were inside. <laughs> Mission accomplished. But that was just the beginning because as soon as we were in, it was like, okay, we're we're back here. He's back here. But it's not like we opened the door and there he was. We um, were whisked down a winding staircase. Like this is an old theater. It had a real winding staircase to the backstage area. And I made note that it was painted baby blue and it just gave me the seventies vibe. I'm like, nobody's touched this paint since the seventies. I can tell this is perfect shade of baby blue. And we just took a few steps into the threshold and he was standing right there, right in front of us, just standing there. (laughs) I said, his hair was exquisite. I was really impressed by the fact that he had that blonde curl unchanged it didn't look like it was changed at all I said he had a little beard scruff which I thought was cute but it was definitely a very new thing for him I mean a lot of people see pictures of Robert Plant in the 70s and he was mostly clean shaven except for a period of time in like 71 he had some facial hair so he grew a little beard scruff and I thought it was cute he was a lot shorter than I had imagined I don't know why I thought they always are they always are but I thought to myself is it my platforms or the platforms that he used to wear but I said I swear I was no shorter than an inch from gazing into those baby blues like his eyes were absolutely like way bluer than I thought they would be and you know some of that comes with age but they were very like crystally blue I said you know all, all of the things that I'm talking about his appearance like I was just awestruck. I really was. I I literally thought this man was as perfect as I had imagined him to be is exactly as perfect as he was. And that's the truth. That's what I felt at the time. And really, I think that's how anyone would feel if they were that close to him. But we're just standing there kind of staring at him, hopefully not too dumbstruck looking, but there were, I believe, two women there with him and the man that had taken us backstage who we hadn't quite become acquainted with yet this was just all happening at once and he knew that we wanted to see Robert so the woman that was with him said we were looking all over for these girls don't they look fabulous 
with like a pseudo British accent. So it, it had seemed that she had been a friend of his for a while, like an old groupie friend, maybe like, I don't want to label her or anything, but that's what we, the impression that we've gotten. And Robert turns to her and says, yes, they do. That we looked fabulous. So Aww. I thought that was like the moment that I would just die, just die. <laughs> but I lived, I survived. I had noticed that it seemed that uh, several people had found us to be interesting enough to want to hang out with us. And I said, cute girls in groovy clothes rocking out to the music of the golden age of rock and roll. This usually ends up being our ticket in. It's how we roll. So I knew then that there was a pattern here evolving. 2006 me knew that there was, we had to remember not only what had happened then, but why it had happened. Yes. So before, oh, I don't, I did not remember this. So before the show, we had emailed Miss Pamela Debar and told, or she had told us to tell Mr. Plant that she loved him. So she knew that we were going to get backstage because she told us to tell Mr. Plant that she loved him. So like good groupie princesses to our groupie fairy godmother, we said, we like all declared, Miss Pamela loves you. (laughs) Like it was (laughs) adorable and kind of embarrassing, but we were serious. We wanted to make sure that we had lived up to our promise to Miss Pamela and we did. And he said, oh, really? Thank you. How is she these days? which I thought was hilarious because we had just gotten to know her and pretty well, like once we had gotten to know Miss Pamela, like we kept in contact with her to kind of update her on whatever the new thing was, or if there was a new band or, or something was going on in our lives after she interviewed us, she would keep in touch with us. So I thought that was really cool. And then we struck up some very small talk. I can barely remember much after the point where he kind of took all of our hands, like each <gasps> one at a time And all I know is that whenever I've met anyone that I really appreciate, especially rock stars, there's only one thing that I ever want to do, and that's to say thank you. So I made sure that, you know, I looked deep into his eyes when I said thank you, because that's true. Like, that's the honest truth is all I ever want to say is thank you. And I had the opportunity. So that's all I did. He took my hands and I said, thank you. I just wanted to thank you, which is also kind of situational the song he had just thanked us in the song so it was like all right gotta reciprocate now more than ever (laughs) and we were finding out that the dj guy that had brought us inside from the madness outside uh was like follow me upstairs and he had like an irish accent and i'm not good at an irish accent so i'm not going to pretend to do one but he is very like um an Irish accent that you could tell was was that way it wasn't English you could tell it was Irish but like that maybe he had lived in the United States for a while you can kind of tell when somebody's accent's fading but that's all I knew about him at that point so he was just like come follow me and I'm like okay I guess this guy let us in so we better follow him and see what he wants because I had no idea and uh so then I had found out afterward after I typed all this out he had followed us on social media. Like he found us on social media. We found him. I don't remember who found whom because I didn't know his name like the whole time and find out that this was an older Irish bloke who had, he actually told us he had drummed for Silverhead. So he must've heard us talking about Miss Pamela and then was like, oh yeah, Michael Debar. I I drummed once for Silverhead. 
he wasn't the drummer for Silverhead because we would have known that because we love Silverhead. I love Silverhead. Such a great band. I love the sound so much. And, but at that point, it just made me a little more comfortable. I'm like, oh, okay, well, he knows Michael. I love Michael DeMar. He's such an amazing human being to connect with. And we're fine. We just followed him upstairs because like these stairwells, I don't know where they come from in these venues, but there's like the long windy one that went down and there was a really steep one that went up these stairs to this whole third level and then he locked the door behind him and I'm like "Uh oh things are about to get weird here aren't they but it was fine there was a, a young man there and and this older man and the three of us and I wasn't afraid but it was just strange because of the way that he locked the door there wasn't really much going on up there he was trying to talk to us and his younger friend was a photographer so he actually took a picture of us and him I don't even know if I've said his name his name is BP Fallon is yeah BP Fallon used to be the guy that hung out with Led Zeppelin and would pick out the girls yeah yeah so in the average (laughs) listener to my tale because if I were to say oh BP Fallon like nobody knew even back then like who I was talking about so I kept referring to him as this DJ guy and it's funny because we learned so much after that he was bald so most of the old pictures and anything I've seen with him and Led Zeppelin in the 70s he's got hair but he's he looked exactly the same (laughs) like once you put it together oh it's that guy plus he was in blow up um he was an extra in blow up during the yardbird scene which is like my favorite scene that a rock band is in uh, motion picture ever agreed and it's so crazy like there he is little bp fallon in in the audience of the yardbirds during blow up so had no idea like while we were up there that that's the kind of guy we were hanging you could you could get the vibes from him but we didn't know exactly who he was so we were just kind of following him around and his young friend but after 15 20 minutes we're like okay where's robert <laughs> like we didn't say it out loud we're just like where's robert plant like I wonder if he's still hanging out. I wonder if he he wants to hang out with us more or whatever. Because like we'd only briefly encountered him, and we knew that at that point we're back there already, so we might as well see what's going on as far as this whole after show situation is going. So you know, we we followed him because he saved us from the rain and all. And we decided we may as well, and we thought maybe Robert would like follow along later. It edged towards the door and um oh one of the things that he said too in going upstairs and taking his little breaky break he said this is what happens when you're in rock and roll in the 70s <laughs> 1970s like of course all three of us were just like yeah we know like we know <laughs> we're students of history we understand your but it was weird because he's an older guy and he's living out like as if he was one of us like yeah, he had lived through that era, but he never let it go. Yeah. Not everybody d- acts that way. Like Paul McCartney doesn't drink and do, dr- he doesn't do anything anymore. You yeah. know, there's a lot of musicians now that won't even touch a cigarette. His little, I, I said his little hip, young hippie follower because the, the young guy that was following him around like a little puppy dog, I know his name is Radic. I didn't write down at the time. I didn't know what his name was. We found out his name was Radic, another very unusual name. And I just recently found him on Instagram, which is really bizarre to find somebody that you haven't even thought about. But um, I don't know if he found us or we found them, but he exists still in the world. So at the time, it was like 
this older photographer man because BP also carried a camera with him with this young guy with a camera it was just like juxtaposition of the young and the old and and he wanted to take a picture of us so we let him we're like yeah sure and BP just like in the photo I'll show it to you he's holding his head like that there's all kinds of debauchery going on it's just like us three little flower kids smiling and like happy we just met robert plant yay and bp balance is in the picture like ah <laughs> i was like huh if i had known that this was supposed to be an edgy picture i would have posed differently but it was just came out exactly as the moment was happening so it's a funny picture but it's nice that we had that because he published the picture to his website pretty shortly after the show so we did have you know, that photo evidence that we were backstage. He used to pull girls in for Led Zeppelin. He would survey the female crowd and that was his job. Wow. What did he do at this Robert Plant concert, but survey the crowd and figure out that we were the most eligible to go backstage. So (laughs) I still to this day find that very humbling and very reassuring that we were always doing the right thing and we continue to have that same mentality moving forward in 2021. Not much more happens after this. After we were upstairs, we kind of, like I was saying, we edged towards the door and just kind of like as a, as amoeba, because now we're all attached to each other, went down the stairs. We saw Robert again. Yes. <laughs> he was just standing there, but he kind of motioned towards another room, which ended up being a room that was pretty large for a New York City backstage area kind of industrial looking but like there was a catering spread so there was a an actual after party happening so he didn't like say come on but like he kind of motioned like with his head that he was going towards the door and we just followed him that's where I'm like you just follow him so we follow him into this room I don't know if I wrote down but I said maybe there were 20 people but honestly 15 it was a small intimate backstage gathering that we just walked right into there was no nobody telling us like where's your pass there was no security at that point in time the only people that were backstage were meant to be there and it was really cool because I just got the vibes of almost famous when they're at the catering station and we'd seen so many more catering stations at this point in our lives but that was like the first so it was just like very, oh, I'm like in the movie, almost famous we're backstage and there's all the catered platter food and stuff. And should we get something to eat or just sit down? Like, you know, you didn't, I don't know what you're doing. At that point, we just wanted to be kind of settled and like sit down and just let the night take us where it was going to take us. And that's exactly what we did. We're, we're backstage now into the, to the part of the backstage area where most people would really like remember clearly of being a part of like a backstage scene that only a few people have ever really experienced, I would say. Where literally the only people that were still left there were Robert Plant, the promoter guy that, uh, and Jackie pointed him out to us, but we're just kind of like giving him the dagger eyes because I hadn't spoken to him personally, but the way that he treated her and the way that he kind of set up those terms with her in the very beginning of our conversation, I knew I just, I didn't like the guy. And he was there and like, it seemed like nobody wanted him there. And that's what happens to promoters. I mean, they're there because they're the money. Like, that's the whole reason why they're there. There wasn't any other reason for, it's not like he's a cool guy or anything. So he was there and he just seemed like people were trying to tell him to go home. So 
eventually he went home and it's just less and less people were there. So it was us, VP Fallon, his young friend, Robert Plant. <laughs> I think Ian Hunter walked by once. And again, I was like, ah, damn, <laughs> like I should have said hi, but he left and um, Robert Plant's Brit- two British friends, the ladies that we had seen before that had said we looked cute and they were looking for us. That was it. That's all I remember. And this photographer man who said, oh, you girls look great. Can I take a picture? And I'm like, yes. Like, I didn't care that this, this picture was not with Robert Plant. He wanted pictures of our outfits. And like, I just thought it was cool that we have evidence that we were backstage. Like, I don't know. I thought we looked neat. So to have a professional photographer take our picture for once would, would have been cool. Like I said, this was 2006. None of us had camera phones. We had a digital camera, maybe. But I don't even think we used it. And we're the the type of girls that we just never, we didn't ask for pictures. We never asked for autographs. We never, we never asked for things. We just have, have never, we will never, we, we never get that. We never, we're the same. uh, Yeah. We just don't want that to be it. You know, like, I feel like sometimes when you're asking for an autograph, it's because you don't expect to see the person ever again. And, and that's how special their signature is to you. Well, somebody's signature is special, but like if they write a note to you, yeah, that's even better. So make sure that you remain friends with that person because then whatever you get as a gift, it's just more special if they give it to you or they say, Hey, can we take a picture or whatever? That's fine. So he asked for pictures of just us. And then after that, it was just like, we were kind of just staring at Robert with his Corona in his hand. He was just relaxing, talking to the few people that were still there. And he was just trying to chill, which is funny to think about because there we were outside all those hours before and his coordinator woman had said, oh, he'll be out in like an hour or two. At that point, we had been inside for over an hour. So it's like, ooh, we would have been outside for another like a grand total of like three and a half, four hours. <laughs> like I felt, I continue to feel bad for the people outside is my point. But at the same time, you can't feel bad for the people outside when you're inside hanging out with Robert Plant. So he kept sipping his beer and we were just kind of like keeping to ourselves. So as to not look like we were bothering anyone and we weren't, we were having a great time. The three of us, we we're just really digging the whole setup finally got to relax a little bit and it was very stressful that entire two days to get to that point so it was nice to sit down for a while and just watch him telling stories everybody always wants to hear stories from rock stars and that's another thing that I don't like to do is like ask them questions do you remember in 1972 when you did blah blah it's like no we're not gonna do that if you want to learn about a rock star read a book like do your research yeah they don't love when people come up with them and ask them questions about their past that they probably don't remember or they've told the story a million times <laughs> so we knew we're just kind of like sitting there whatever Robert Plant wanted to do was fine with us so one thing that my sister noticed was that he had his beer in his hand and she kind of looked over at him and was like you know smiling and stuff he was just enjoying us being there you could tell he was glowing and he took his little corona and he tipped it towards her and took a sip of it it was just the cutest little thing like he just was gesturing to us the whole time. Like you girls doing okay? Yeah. It's not like we were hanging all over him. That's just not how it is. And that's not the right thing to do. I can't imagine. God, for them to trust us back there, we could have been crazy psycho fans and really 
gone after Robert Plant, but they knew, like, I mean, obviously B.K. Talon knew when he invited us back that that's not who we were. So that was kind of just the rest of the night was very casual and relaxed like that. And right before we started to wrap things up, because you can tell when everything's wrapping up, when Robert Plant wants to leave, everybody wants to leave. So eventually it was time for him to go back to his hotel. And he started to say his goodbyes to everyone. And he's the photographer had just taken our picture was like, I would love to get a shot with you girls and Robert in the middle. And I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> because we didn't ask for pictures. The photographer asked for pictures. And that's how we got pictures with Robert Plant. However, he wasn't in the middle of us, which made me a little upset because we had hugged and things and we had posed like with me and my sister and then our friend Jacqueline. And then there was another shot that the photographer had taken with the other two women that were friends of his with us. I've never seen those photos. They will never see the light of day. To this day, we have one blurry photo of us and Robert Plant that the photographer took just came out blurry because it was too fast. But you also have an amazing memory. Oh, yeah. I have a steel trap memory. And the reason is because the two of us bounce back and forth. As twins, we can remind each other of details, like, at the moment. And this is a story of our whole lives. We can tell each other these stories over and over again just by little details. And then it'll spark a memory in one of our brains. And then all it takes is one spark. And then we can fill in the blanks with each other. So, But, you know... Being in that room with him and for so long and being able to relax and watch him and get the tip of the beer and the nod of the head, like, wow, like that was a real generous amount of time. That is so rare. That is so special. So for us to experience such a welcoming environment as the backstage environment and time and time again, getting invited for more than an hour of our time like I've never heard of that before for other people especially other young people I've heard of meet and greets and I've heard of situations where um, people will run into rock stars like in the wild as we would say Robert Plant let us stay back there for of course we don't know how long because time just yeah you lose all concept of time but yeah I'd have to imagine we were back there for over an hour you know we we got our pictures taken and that was kind of the last moment we had with him and we it was funny I I don't know if I wrote down exactly what we had said but the photographer said oh those are the best pictures I've taken all night and funny enough they weren't they were so blurry the one picture that we got a copy of was so blurry but um I can't wait to see it again like I'm so excited because I saw the photo that I I like many people wanting to know the story and I want to see it again and now that I know all of that stuff Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited to see it. That was Hopefully a fantastic that way too. <laughs> that was a fantastic story. So I feel bad. like I just watched an entire movie. Like I, we yeah. really went on a journey there. I did too. I felt like in my own brain, I went on a journey just to go back there. And the one note that I said at the very end of the story was now it's time that I meet my Holy Grail, Jimmy Page, which I've never met. And it's like, there's still, still time in the back of my mind. There's still time. There's still time. Absolutely. That was it. That was the end of the story. Muses is researched, edited, and produced by us, Chantelle Mew and Lynx O'Leary.
Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.